0: From the studios of One Jacks Productions, this is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, with your hosts, Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel, and Praise Leader Chris Wing.
1: All right, well, welcome back. Uh, I'm Pastor Frank at One Baptist Church here in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm sitting here with Robert Engel, our associate pastor. Hello, and Chris Wing, our praise leader. How you doing? Uh, we're here uh, just uh, we're just a bunch of guys sitting around a table, talking about the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Yep. Uh, and so, uh, just to kind of catch everybody up, uh, we're uh, on a second uh, part of uh, a three part uh, study where we're talking about uh, just the uh, the theme of the Bible the, the 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 key of the key of David. Uh, which is uh, just uh, loving God's Word, and the theme of the Bible being uh, you know, what the Bible's all about, that first key, if you will, uh, the, the day of the Lord. And we uh, discussed that last time, that the day of the Lord is all about a battle for who will uh, sit on the throne. And we talked about that second uh, key, which was uh, making the right divisions, um, knowing who a book was written to, and and, and uh uh, knowing that there's a parenthesis, uh, taking 2 Timothy 2.15, to study, to show thyself worthy and approved unto God. And then we talked about keeping verses in their context, uh, knowing the audience uh, that uh, that something is written to in the Bible is is very important, the Jew, the church, or the Gentile. Uh, if you didn't listen to our last uh, uh, study, I encourage you to go back and, uh, and listen to that. Uh, it certainly will help you to... Uh, uh, to To really uh, kind of get in, in groove where we are today, because today we're going to be talking about the next three. Uh, the fourth one, uh, which is utilizing God's principle of comparing Scripture with Scripture. Uh, then the fifth one, Robert's going to take, and that's recognizing the three layers of application. And the sixth one is realizing that the key to the Word of God is the Word of God, and Chris will be talking about that. So let's uh, go ahead and uh Uh, We'll jump right in, Uh, Robert. Do you have anything you want to say before we get started? I'm ready. All right, Chris. Yep, let's do it. All right, let's do it. All right. So, key number four, uh, we're talking about utilizing God's principle of comparing scripture with scripture. Uh, And 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 listen, this this one's an (laughs) important. Robert, you said it last time, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're all important. Uh, They they really truly are. I mean, we can we can you know we joke about it, but man, um, if we're gonna let the Bible be the authority. Uh, we have to let God teach us how to study His own book. Yeah, Amen. Because uh, that's going to help us uh, do the things that we're saying that God is telling us to do uh, in His book. Um, you know, so when I think of this uh, this fourth one, comparing Scripture with Scripture, um, one of the things that kind of jumps to my mind right off the mo- right off the bat is First Corinthians chapter two, uh, and and, and uh, how can we get to a place where uh, comparing scripture with scripture uh, makes sense, and what is the importance of it? Well, Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians two. Uh, remember now, Corinthians, the the, the church of Corinth, they, they were going through some some serious problems in their church. Uh, there was a lot of division going on, and there was some some false false teachings that were going on, and and, and Paul's trying to set the the record straight. And, and when you hop into 1 Corinthians 2, uh, uh, he's basically giving us the difference between what a natural man is and what a spiritual man is. Uh, Robert, if you could do us a favor, um, certainly the whole chapter is worthy of read. Uh, but uh, for the sake of time, can you just pick up in verse uh, 9 and uh, maybe take us through verse 13?
0: Yeah, sure thing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard. Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Yeah, thanks. Oh, man, what an
1: uh, in-your-face shocking revelation if you really stop and you think about it. Mm. Uh, basically, what uh, Paul's saying here is that um, you know when you come to God's Word, uh, if you're a natural man, uh, if you don't have the Spirit of God in you, uh, you're not going to properly discern what the Bible says. And uh, that is obviously a, a, a very important thing when we're talking about this principle of comparing Scripture with Scripture uh, because what Paul goes on to say is is that the man who has the Spirit of God in them uh, now can understand the wisdom that God is trying to in, in, implement into our lives. And the way you do that is being able to compare spiritual things with spiritual things. Uh, in other words, Scripture with Scripture. And so here's the, the, the key idea of what, what we're trying to say here. Uh, education Man's education, man's uh, principles, uh, if you will, uh, uh, about what the Bible says, uh, is, is not the, uh, the, the 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 what we need to use as our identification for what the Bible means. Uh, we can't go to man. Uh, just be, listen, as you, if you're listening right now, uh, Pastor Frank is not the authority on the Bible. Uh, Pastor Robert's not the authority Chris is not the authority One Baptist Church is not the authority on the Bible The authority on the Bible is God And uh, he is the one that will uh, uh, if, you can, if we can say it this way He defines his own terms mm. uh, Man, I've heard so many times uh, People will define terms in the Bible and, and just not have the proper defining of what that word means uh, For instance, the word foreknowledge uh, you know, the word predestination. Uh, listen, uh, let God define them uh, and we will not run into any trouble. It's, it, the, the Bible uh, is its own interpreter. Amen. <laughs> and if we just let the Bible be its own interpreter, uh, we won't run into trouble. But it's when we start going to commentaries. It's when we start letting uh, uh, men become the authority over the Bible. Uh, it's, it's when we become the authority over the Bible. Uh, man. Man. Uh, we can run ourselves into a lot of trouble. Uh, and that's kind of what we're talking about here. The, you know, Comparing Scripture with Scripture. God's wisdom cannot be discerned using man's wisdom. It must be revealed by God's own Spirit. And uh, it is so important that we understand that. Uh, the Bible is both a spiritual and supernatural book. It is therefore closed to the intellect and heart of a natural man. Uh, Someone who does not have the Spirit of God in them. Uh, God's wisdom cannot be discerned or understood using man's wisdom. It must be revealed by God's own Spirit. And that's kind of what Paul is really getting at here. Uh, You know, uh, the spiritual man uh, has the ability to not only understand God's basic truths in in the Word, uh, but they have the ability to get deep into the Word of God, so they can really uh, uh, get those deep things uh, that uh, Paul's talking about uh, over here in in in, in First uh, Corinthians chapter two. You know, unfortunately, th- this very passage has been so. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we talk about co- comparing Scripture with Scripture, this this, this particular, I think we talked about uh, keeping verses in their context last mm-hmm. time. Right? So here's a good principle right here in 1 Corinthians 2 of keeping verses in their context. You know, How many times have we heard uh, that, that that God has, uh, 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 our eye had not seen or, or our ear uh, not heard the things uh, that enter into the heart of man, uh, the things which God has prepared for them that love them? And how many times have we heard, oh man, how great it's going to be for what God has given us in heaven? Uh, yeah, but that's not what he's talking about. That's right. right? Yeah. Keep it in context. Right. What he's talking about here, just keep reading. (laughs) Read the next verse. But God hath revealed them unto us. Mm. Those things aren't concealed. They are revealed to us. Mm. And what is it? Uh, What is it that that God's wisdom can be
0: discerned in the here and the now? And actually, when you look at that context, um, the word heaven, as you said, Pastor Frank, doesn't appear anywhere in chapter 1, in chapter 2, and on and on. Um, But the word wisdom appears mm-hmm. continuously. Sure. And, and that's what he's doing. He's comparing and contrasting man's wisdom versus God's
2: wisdom, which is his word. And so there's your context. You're right in chapter one. He tells us that it's it's not man's wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's God's wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And which, which, again, remember the purpose of the, of the book, right? First Corinthians. It was written to the church. So we got that. We got that. Uh, we got the uh, 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 keep verses in their context. We got the make the right divisions. We, 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 we know who the audience is. It was written to Corinth. Uh, which is a church, so that was written to us. We certainly can uh, apply these principles to, to, to us. And what was going on in Corinth? Well, there was a lot of division going on. The mm. church wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing. And God, uh, God through, through Paul, is letting the church of Corinth know, hey, you better start paying attention to my wisdom and not man's wisdom, because man's wisdom right now is heading you down a very, very wrong path. Mm. Um, so, okay, let's, let's uh, kind of, uh, just for a minute here, uh, finish up with this first uh, 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 principle uh, again, comparing scripture with scripture. Uh, I just want to you. I just want to make one uh, give you give you one example of what we're talking about here. Um, if you uh, have a Bible right now, uh, hey, praise the Lord! Yeah. You're not a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to be in Job 41 uh, ultimately, and, and what I want to show uh, uh, folks is um, there's this there's this uh, beast, if you will. That shows up in Job forty one, and this beast is called Leviathan, and uh, unfortunately, I've seen many commentaries. I, I've heard many uh, uh, a speaker uh, will talk about this Leviathan, and they'll say things like uh, it's just a whale, or it's a, it's a whirlpool, or it's just some kind of animal, or, sea monster, sea monster, or or it's it's not even it's not even real. It's it's a metaphor for something. Okay, listen. When we're talking about comparing scripture with scripture, this is what we're talking about. Okay, so if we're going to come to the Bible, we're going to come to Job forty-one, and we're going to go, okay. Well, who is Leviathan? Well, we can do one of two things: uh, we can start making up who we think Leviathan is, or <laughs> this is what we're trying to get at: we can let God tell us who Leviathan is through His Word. Amen. So, Amen. so let's do that. Let's 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 find out. Uh, who Leviathan is by comparing Scripture with Scripture. Uh, I've got a couple Scriptures here that I want uh, Chris to read for us. Uh, we're going to start with Psalm 74, verse 14.
2: Yeah, this says, uh, Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces, and gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness.
1: All right, so uh, we, we, we know that at some point in, in, in time, uh, and, and putting that particular verse in context... Uh, at some point, God's going to break the head of Leviathan, the heads yeah, of Leviathan. So we know that this Leviathan, whoever it is, has heads. OK, and that one day God's going to break it, uh, break them. OK, good. Uh, let's keep comparing Scripture to Scripture. Uh, what does Isaiah
2: 27, 1 say, Chris? It's a good one. In that day... The Lord, with His sore and great and strong sword, shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and He shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. There you go. A lot going on.
1: So, so okay. So we're starting to compare scripture with scripture here. We're trying to find out who this Leviathan is. Uh, remember now what we talked about in that first principle of Bi- Bible study. We established the theme of the Bible. Uh, what does the term "in that day" mean? That's the day of the Lord. So we know that now that some, in the day of the Lord, in that, in that period of time that, that is a, a seven-year tribulation moving into the millennial reign, that God is going to break the head of Leviathan in that day. And, and, and by the way, uh, he's going to punish Leviathan, and he calls Leviathan a dragon and, 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 and a serpent uh, that's in the sea. I'd love to take the time yeah. to talk about the sea right yeah, now. All the uh, that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole, right. But, <laughs> but, but we'll understand something, okay? We find out that Leviathan uh, has heads, and he's a dragon, and he's a serpent. Okay, so now we're starting to add the pieces to the puzzle. Well, if you jump over into Revelation chapter 12, I mean, certainly if he says in that day, uh, well, if he's talking about the, uh, the, the tribulation period, uh, we must be talking about something that's going on in the book of Revelation, because the book of Revelation is all about the tribulation period. It's all about the day of the Lord. Uh, and uh, so we hop over there in Revelation chapter number 12, and uh, in verse number three, it says this. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, Having, look at that, seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon its heads. So here's, here's those heads that uh, Psalm 74 was talking about. Here's that dragon that uh, uh, Isaiah 27 talks about. All right, we're, we're putting all this, this this together now. Well, you follow down in verse number 7 in chapter number 12, and, and here we go. Look at how we compare Scripture with Scripture, and look what God tells us. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. So we, what we just did just now is we compared Scripture with Scripture. We allowed God to tell us who this Leviathan is in Job 41. Well, lo and behold... Job 41, Leviathan, is Satan. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Satan certainly is, as the, as the end of the chapter tells us, uh, he is the, 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 the one that uh, uh, will uh, be in the hearts of the children of disobedience. And uh, now when you read chapter number 41, you understand that, uh, that Satan does a great job of hiding himself. He, he, he's working behind uh, things that are, are, are going to conceal him. And it is only God, as God tells us in, in verse number 12 and uh, 13, it's only God who can discover him. And it's only God who can look past the clothes he's wearing and the mask on his face that he is hiding behind. Uh, Satan is trying to dress himself up and disguise himself. And if uh, if you don't allow uh, God uh, to reveal Satan for who he is, uh, we will be uh, in a lot of trouble, and uh, so that's really what Job forty-one is all about. And, and if you stop and you think about it, Job himself—he uh, was uh, put in a very pre- pre- pretty tough predicament, uh, where 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 God allowed uh, Satan to uh, uh, trouble Job a little bit to see where his heart lied. And uh, so, um, again, uh, it, it's just an unbelievable uh, uh, revelation, if you will. Uh, of of who Job uh, is talking about here in chapter number 41, uh, who God is revealing Leviathan to be. Now, if you just think that Leviathan is a whale or a sea monster or a metaphor, you completely miss (laughs) what this chapter is really all about. And the fact is, is that uh, Leviathan uh, is hiding behind something. He has a mask and, and, and his scales are his pride and he's deceiving people. Uh, through who he really is and it's only God who can reveal him Uh, so uh, again uh, that is the principle of utilizing uh, uh, the the idea of comparing scripture with scripture the Bible is its best commentary on itself Uh, that was just one example Um, I'm sure uh, we would have no problem uh, uh, giving a bunch more but before we move on to the next one Robert do you have anything you want to say
0: uh, yeah, you know, when I think about this, um, th- this, this key in particular, um, and how how critical it is, and how important it is for us to to have this understanding, um, when we are just taking um, commentaries or other commentators, you know, God has given us teachers and, and pastors and, and preachers, you know, and, and, and so those things those things aren't bad, but you know, above all, He says that we have the Spirit of God right? And that is how we discern the Word. And so a lot of times, our, our being collectively, just generally speaking, our first uh, go-to is another man, another commentator. And we tend to treat those words as the words of the Lord sometimes, and and we never give God a chance to define His words. And to, to explain what He's talking about by comparing Scripture with Scripture like we just did. So, um, man, let's, as we have mentioned um, before, let's take ourselves out of that
2: seat of authority and, and let Him reside there in teaching us His Word. Yeah, amen. So Chris? Yeah, just one thing real quick. I mean, we talk about these verses all the time, but, um, you know, maybe some of our listeners here... Haven't uh, heard these verses, but you know when you're talking about comparing spiritual with spiritual or scripture with scripture, you know you hit on it. And it's, it's the word of God is given to us by the Holy Ghost. He He's the one who gave us that word. And in Second Peter one twenty and twenty one, it says this: Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So just to jump right off of what uh, you were saying, Pastor Robert, it's not the words of man that we should go to. We have to understand that these words came from God, His Holy Ghost, and that His Holy Spirit, and that in order for us to even make the right divisions, we talked about in our last podcast, to compare spiritual with spiritual or scripture with scripture, we have to understand that it's only by the Spirit of God that that can be done because He's the one who gave those words, and only uh, one who has the Holy Ghost in them can even do that to begin with. Mm.
1: And, and before we move on real quick, just to go on that verse, you just talked about now, okay, prophecy. <laughs> before we jump into what we think the word means, everyone just jumps to the fact they think that the word means uh, God telling the future, uh, although there are times in the Bible where that is true. Uh, but if you compare Scripture with Scripture and you let uh, God define the word prophecy in the Bible, what, it's, what, what, what the word can also mean is teachings, right? the teachings of the Bible. Uh, so, uh, so what he's saying there is is that the teachings of the Bible are not for any private interpretation. Uh, that, that that God is the one that interprets. So that kills the whole idea of well, that's just your interpretation. <laughs> well, if you're letting God's word be the authority, uh, we better not be interpreting it. That's right. God should be the one interpreting it. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. I think we nailed that one pretty good. We're going to move on to our fifth uh, uh, key of Bible study, and that's recognizing the three layers of application and i believe robert you're the one that's got that one so take it away
0: indeed yeah man when i think about this um th- these layers of application um and we'll get to this in just a couple of minutes you know, there's some verses that that come to mind um that are just critical for us to to really have ears to hear uh, when we read them a few of them and a couple of them in john chapter 5 um, you know in verse 39 jesus says to search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life and they are they which Testify of me, he said. And then in the same chapter in verse 46, Jesus says, For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. And so what we begin to see is there's a future prophetic, as we were saying, um, tone to the word of God. Um, You know, uh, the, the church, generally speaking, I think has really nailed down two of the three applications yeah, sure. that that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if, if we're going to get all of them, especially the one that Jesus is talking about here, and again, we'll lay these out plainly in just a moment, um, we have to understand that the Old Testament is actually, though it's all historically accurate, no doubt, it, it is also a picture book mm. of the New Testament truths yes. that we find. Sure. Um, well, what God does is He He takes New Testament concepts, uh, New Testament truths, uh, principles that, that are sometimes difficult for us to understand, and He graphically and very clearly pictures them for us uh, in the actual historical accounts of the Old Testament. Yeah. Right? Oh, man. Yeah. And, 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 and through, th- I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And through the actual events of history, we can see these new testament truths clearly seen and understood um and, and we will never really understand the new testament without understanding our old testament amen so man without. if you're if you're listening man don't let any anyone ever tell you that the old testament is outdated or you know we we don't need to really camp out there man i would i i would die on the hill that we we need that old testament um so it's all. Every word of God is pure, is it not? Amen. And, and so we again, we will never understand the, the new without the old, and we will equally never understand the old without the new. Yeah. And, and so, with that said, um, I, I mentioned a minute ago that there are um, two of the three applications that that I really believe that we we have down pat, but this third one um, is sorely, unfortunately, sorely missing. Um, and it might be the most important. In Christianity. One. <laughs> I, 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 would, I, I hate
1: to say that there is an important one. I would but argue it that. might be that. Yeah, it
0: yeah, I would definitely argue that. Um, so, so there's a historical application, um, and, and that's just important. You know, we're talking about context and, and those types of things in, in these episodes, um, and just knowing that the historical context, the historical application, there simply just being what is happening at this time in history. You know, what is going on, um, just so we can understand the the environment and the implications of that in a passage or an account or, or what have you. And then what we like to do is, okay, we got the historical, and then we we jump, okay, now what does this say to me? How does this apply to my life? And Going le-
1: back on the, that historical real quick, I don't mean to jump in, but I just want to make sure that our viewers, our viewers, yeah, our <laughs> listeners uh, understand what we're saying there. What we're saying in historical is, for instance, what actually happened in the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. is a historical thing that actually took place. Right. The Exodus is a historical yes. thing that actually took place. Yep. Uh, so the historical application is, is these things actually happened that leads us to mm-hmm. the next one.
0: Yeah, it, and it, it's no less history than your textbook at school. Right. You know, so, so a very good point. And God's more, history, more is, yeah, history. <laughs> history
1: is, history is his story. That's Amen. it.
0: That's it. And, and so what we like to do is we go from the historical, and then we go, okay, well, how does this apply to me? And, okay, while that is not a bad question at all, um, it's not the only question. And what we like to do is, I, I think it's indicative just how we put ourselves at the forefront um, of the word of God and think it's about us. Well, that's the um, whole
1: sitting on the throne. Yes,
0: absolutely. And the <laughs> theme, the day of the Lord. yeah, amen. <laughs> um, and so uh, while it's a great question, there is that devotional or inspirational application. How does this apply to my life? Because man, the Bible is applicable today. That's one of the, the, the powerful yeah. beauties of it. Amen. That it, it wasn't written today, but it applies today. That was um,
1: still subtle today, just as it yes, was back in the garden.
0: Abso- absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Um, but then there's a third application that that, that again has been yep. unfortunately so neglected mm-hmm. uh, or forgotten, and, and I don't think it's intentional by many today. Um, but somewhere along the line, uh, we've lost this, and, and that is the doctrinal or, or the prophetic application. Mm-hmm. And that, Pastor Frank, as you mentioned a minute ago, doctrine meaning teaching, or that prophetic, that prophecy meaning teaching. Um, and, and and the question on that over that application is what. Is this teaching or passage pointing to? Mm-hmm. And when you start to peel back that layer and yep. that application, mm-hmm. I mean, I will tell you first and foremost, um, the word of God will open up to you in a way that it never has. Um, and, and that's just one of the things that, I, just, you know, a, a little testimony that I found um, so refreshing um, here in, in Jacksonville, Florida, at, at One Baptist Church. Just, um, really learning how to um, see Scripture as God has put it together in His Word, uh, not just as a history book and not just as um, how it applies to my life today, but knowing and understanding the the there, there's a deeper reality to what God is doing there. And, and when you start to see these things, and I'll just give an example in a moment and we can talk about it. Um, when we start to see these things, it leaves no doubt yeah. who the author of this book is. Sure, I mean, I just and the purpose of it. Yeah, yeah, r- yeah. And, and so, um, wh- I th- and we could talk about this till kingdom come. But you know, there, there's a chapter in the in in the Bible, um, Proverbs chapter 31, mm-hmm. that um, you know, on Mother's Day we um, like to, as pastors um, and as as Bible believing church goers, um, you know, like to exhaust. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every, every Mother's Day, it seems—and and again, this is, again, from the de- devotional or inspirational application, yeah, man, preach it, right? But there's something very pacu- uh, particular uh, that God is teaching us mm-hmm. in Proverbs chapter 31— and um, if you're listening and you have your Bible, I would just encourage you to, to maybe pause this episode at a few points and just search these things out, or later on go back, or maybe just jot some notes down, um, just a few things that we want to throw at you here. Um, in the first verse of Proverbs 31, it says, the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. Mm. Okay, so historically speaking, this is a man who is receiving teaching from his mother, but it has the word prophecy there. Mm -hmm. And and I'm so glad that you made that comment earlier, kind of setting it up for this. I don't think you realized you were, but um, that word prophecy being future events and or teaching. And so when you start to read Proverbs 31, um, if you look there in verse 10, the question is posed, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? And um, if you just grab that, that phrase, that term, virtuous woman, um, uh, of the um, about 188 or so, uh, I believe it is named women in the Bible. There is but one. Yeah. Here we go. Now um, we're comparing scripture we, with scripture, yep, <laughs> sir. If we're going to preach it, we're going to do it. Um, there is but one that is named a virtuous woman mm-hmm. of all of them, and, mm-hmm. and 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 search it out. And um, this isn't me, or this isn't us just saying this or making this up. Um, g- God has every word on purpose for a purpose. Amen. And when we go uh, back into our Old Testament, this is why Old Testament is so important, one of the many reasons, we find it is Ruth mm-hmm. who is called a virtuous woman um, twice in that book. And and just to th- th- throw out a blanket, bird's-eye view Um, of what Ruth is all about, and and then I'll throw this to you guys for any conversation or insight, Uh, but Ruth uh, is uh, of a cursed race known as the Moabites. Mm -hmm. and She's a Gentile. She is a Gentile, and and, and those Moabites were cursed by God because of their sin. Mm -hmm. And and as I'm talking about this, see if this sounds somewhat familiar to you in any way. Um, And and so someone... um, shares with, with Ruth um, good news that God has uh, visited his people in Bethlehem with bread. Mm. And just like that, have we not heard good news mm. that God visited his people with the bread of life? It was the bread of life. Amen. It's the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, That's sure. it. John chapter uh, 6, I yeah, believe. And the bread of life. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and so she uh, she leaves her family and her home all that she has to partake of the lord's uh, provision in bethlehem and upon hearing um the, the good news uh, we are called to leave our old selves yep. our, our our old yep. nature all that we are yep. and to partake of his provision of christ yep and 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 it just goes on and there's a man by the name of boaz in, in the book of ruth who is a mighty man of wealth and he's a jew by the way, of the city of Bethlehem, and Boaz falls in love with this Gentile he's woman. He's the Jewish kinsman redeemer. Amen, mm. amen. And, and so Ruth goes to work in a field mm. um, for him, um, and, and just that
1: represents uh, Matthew
0: thirteen, the world, the world. That's it. And so I mean, just putting these pieces together, and, and this is this is scripture. This is historically the historical application. This is it. But look what God's doing. Sure. He's
1: teaching us some some major doctrine.
0: It's amazing. And and, and then Boaz eventually takes Ruth out of that harvest to be his bride. Mm -hmm. And are we not going to be united with him one day as his bride and he, our bridegroom? And
1: the threshing, by the way, that threshing floor Mm -hmm. scene, the threshing floor, if you compare Scripture with Scripture in the Bible, always speaks of that tribulation period. Mm. And where is Ruth? During the threshing
2: floor scene, With yeah. their kinsman, Redeemer, mm. at yeah. his feet. There's, your, there's yeah. your
1: rapture before the tribulation. period. I, I, I'm getting goosebumps
0: just talking about <laughs> it. Like, it's just, you, you can't make this stuff up. It, and it's just amazing. And you just have to just step back and just bow before the yeah, Lord, you know? And, and so just one, one of many countless examples of, of what the Lord does in his word through that, again, by recognizing those three layers of application.
1: Chris, you want to say yeah. anything here before I jump in? Uh, j- just
2: that, you know, as Robert's going through all of this, I mean, what he's talking about with the Old Testament being, uh, you know, for us, it's that, and what he's doing here is is he's showing God's similitudes, okay? That he shows pictures. Isaiah 12.10. Right, Isaiah 12.10. He shows pictures of doctrinal truths that are prophetic and, and things that, are, that we can apply to the church. You know, like you see... Uh, Boaz oh, is the kinsman redeemer he's a picture of jesus christ ruth is a picture of the church you know that's why when you know a lot of people go to proverbs 31 he was talking about and just read wait these aren't the M- mother's day verses i mean is that what we No, there's something deeper in that when you see the similitudes when you when you understand the doctrine you're, you're looking for the what's deeper in it it's not just about the surface application it's what is this actually pointing to what is this actually teaching in its deeper sense and that's why the doctrine is, is, is part of uh, these three uh, keys is so important it's not just the historical it's not just the devotional but the doctrinal and that is completely and entirely wrapped up in prophecy you you cannot have uh, right divisions you cannot have jo- doctrine without prophecy so and we can well, talk about it forever and, <laughs> and,
1: and that's that's the key right there uh, uh, Chris I think you I think you just you nailed it right there uh, the, the reason why this one, uh, you know, the the, the, when we're talking about these three applications of Scripture, certainly the historical application is absolutely important uh, because, you know, as Jesus said, uh, search the Scriptures and in them you'll find me. Uh, so there's no doubt you know, when he was talking to those boys over there on uh, uh, Emmaus Road, uh, you know, he, he, he tells them. Uh, beginning at uh, Moses and all the prophets, he expounded. Mm-hmm. There, there's a bit. Yep. Uh, I think we talked about expository preaching uh, a couple episodes ago. Uh, he expounded onto them in all the scriptures concerning them himself. Uh, so, uh, certainly, w- what we're trying to get at is history is uh, a very important application. Uh, devotional and what it, how, and listen, the devotional can't be that it's for me. That's. There's why I think we have twisted it. No, the devotion is what does it mean to me and what I'm supposed to do with it? Mm. And how does it glorify God? Because if your devotion is making yourself better, mm. just for the sake of making yourself better, well, you've put yourself on the throne. Yeah. You just violated the first one, mm. the first uh, keys of Bible study. Mm-hmm. Gotta establish who the purpose what the purpose is. Okay. Uh, but then this doctrinal man, you know, listen, I've I've heard many, many, many people. Say that well, doctrine is just—it's uh, a division in the church. It just doesn't do anything, and we're just—we're just, we're just going to avoid doctrine. Listen, I want to tell you—I'm uh, sorry, prophecy. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now: you cannot put things in their doctrinal place properly without understanding prophecy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an impossible look. The book of Leviticus. Most people are are going to think that's just a dry book written to the Jews back in the Old Testament. Listen. The book of Leviticus might be one of the most prophetical books in all the Bible. And and what it points to uh, uh, as the temple of God is inside of us and what it means to to, to be truly sanctified, holy, consecrated, and how to properly worship God is found in the book of Leviticus, man. Mm -hmm. You avoid that book, you're going to completely miss the whole point. Uh, it's not a dry book. It wasn't just written to the Jews. There is a spiritual kingdom of God application mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that or we are not going to know what it means to truly be holy, yeah. what it truly means to worship God. I don't believe, listen, I know this is going to be a tough statement for people to hear, but worshiping God is not just singing a song. Mm. Right. That's, that's, that's not what it is. Just because the praise band is singing some songs doesn't mean we're worshiping God. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much more to it than that. Uh, most people just think that they go to church and the praise band's throwing out a song and and rocking the place that the spirit of God's moving. No, 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 no. Wait a minute, time out. That does not mean the spirit of God is moving. Okay, uh, you're, and that does not mean you're worshiping God. Uh, what if the song they're singing ain't right? What if the words aren't right? Uh, what if uh, you know? I mean, is that, are you worshiping? No. So this 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 idea of doctrinal. Uh, application is is paramount in the church today yeah. and certainly it's missing um, one more thing I want to say and, and and we'll move on um, you know talking about that virtuous woman um, you know that virtuous woman uh, was Ruth who was a Gentile mm-hmm. uh, the picture points to us the church okay she's uh, he, he, far above rubies. Uh, rubies is red Uh, certainly when you compare scripture with scripture you start to find out and i'm just going to kind of cut to the chase for time's sake uh but uh uh, jesus spilt blood Mm -hmm. for his church acts 20 verse 28 amen okay um and so uh it it pictures the uh the 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 redemption of the virtuous woman ruth Mm uh who pictures us yeah just one final say on that and we'll move on uh, Proverbs twelve ten Robert can you can you grab that real quick?
0: Yeah, um, I think it's verse four here. A virtuous woman is a crown. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones.
1: If you go through the rest of that Proverbs thirty one passage, what you'll find out is is that that virtuous woman, the reason why she was virtuous, mm. is because she went to work. Mm. Um, and and no doubt John seventeen tells us what the work of the Lord actually is, and that's winning people to Christ. Discipling them, building them up on their faith, and then sending them to do the same thing, and uh, and he and be- receives
0: crowns, and that the, uh, and, and that's how you
1: receive. That's the only way you can receive crowns, uh, and uh, and certainly that virtuous woman. Uh, either you're going to receive crowns and be a uh, uh, good to your husband, or you're not going to receive crowns and you can be rottenness to his bones. First Corinthians or, three. Yeah. Okay. Good. I think we uh, I think we established that one pretty good. Um, so uh, we're on to the, the, the sixth uh, uh, key of Bible study. That's realizing that the key to the Word of God is the words of God. And uh, Chris, wow. take us away.
2: How profound is that, that the key to the Word of God happens to be the very words, plural, of God? Mm. <laughs> it might sound simple, but you know, it's highly overlooked. We don't really consider th- that. You know The Bible doesn't simply claim to communicate God's thoughts, ideas concepts principles or precepts but the his very words you know and there's two schools of thought uh, when approaching this particular uh key there's the fundamentalist who will say you know these are people who believe that the the word of god is strictly literal interpretation of scripture what the fundamental said is that the bible is inspired infallible and errant preserved and is the authority in our lives what it says is what it is that's that's it
1: which, by the way, that's what One Baptist Church believes.
2: Absolutely, that's uh-huh. why I am a part of this church sure. body, <laughs> because we take the Word of God seriously. We we believe it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is preserved, and therefore authoritative in our lives. Every word, every single one of them. Yep. And then there's the opposite of, of that, which would be the liberal thinking of it, where it says they say that sure, it's it's God's Word, and it may have some historical and literary value, but this book itself, being supernatural, it certainly is not that. You know, it, to not look at the this correctly uh, is and think about it from a liberal standpoint is that you'll you'll give it some credence but you, you're not you're not going to believe that it is infallible and errant and preserved you know it's, it's not going to have and uh, therefore it won't have authority in your lives that you take a very liberal or relaxed approach to it you know and then of course there's another group of people who would be right there in the middle you know, the the lukewarm uh, people, if you will. And I believe God had something to say about that as he addressed the church at Laodicea, being lukewarm is not where we want to be either because that's what makes God sick. You can't, you have to choose a side, what side you are on, not stick in the middle. But the Bible claims to contain the very words, plural, of God. So I want to read a few verses here. Uh, Psalm 119, 140 says that the word of, the word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Of that very Very pure. Yep.
1: God had to throw that very in
2: there. (laughs) Every word. Uh, And here's one of my favorites, and I think it was quoted earlier, referenced earlier, is Proverbs uh, 30 and verse five, where every word of God is pure. You
1: mean every word, every Every jot and tittle?
2: Oh wait, well you haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then Proverbs 30 uh, verse six, uh, right after that says, "Add thou not unto his words, plural, lest he reprove thee and be found thou be found a liar." So adding to his words or taking away from them, by the way, mm-hmm. it, there's something very serious. God takes that very, very serious. I'm not I'm sure I mean. we
1: take that very seriously in these last days.
2: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And then, of course, as we talked about the fundamentalists believing that the word is inspired and fallow and, errant and preserved, you have Psalm twelve, six and 7, which says that the words, plural, of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And do, do we really understand what that promise really mm. is? I mean, that, that we could talk about that for. That means a we long have time. His word today. It means that we. I have don't need it today. to go back
1: to the original. Matter of fact, I don't even have the original to go back to.
2: Nobody does. Nobody mm. does. Every word of God is pure, and all of His words that He meant for us to have, He preserved them. He not only inspired them, but He preserved them. And then uh, we have a couple of verses in Matthew in chapter 5, verse 17 and 18 says, Think not that I am come, as Jesus speaking, to destroy the law or the prophets, you know, the Old Testament. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass not one, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled.
1: Explain to our listeners yeah. what a jot and tittle is. A
2: jot and tittle. That's the dotting of an I and the crossing of a T. So not only is... In the, in the, in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, yep. yeah. So we have an example of that if from Psalm 119, mm-hmm. where it, it's a very long psalm, but every uh, he goes through every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. each letter uh, in the stanzas of those verses, there's eight of them in each one. Start with the first letter of the uh, of that of, uh, in the Hebrew alphabet. It'll go through every letter, and every verse yep. will start with that. So God's very precise in how he arranges his words, yeah. plural. And he's, he's there's a lot going on, and, and when we don't stop and think about it, we take it as a whole, but we don't break it down and see every single solitary part of it. I mean, and you have, uh, I think it's um, verse 73 in Psalm, Psalm 119. 119, where it's the yod, or the... Well, that's where we get the word ja or you know yat. That very, it's a, it's a little tiny punctuation, like a little squiggle, mm-hmm. like a little dot. Okay, and that's how precise God really is. That very, down to the very dot, the very punctuation. Okay, every single solitary jot ja and every single sorry, solitary tittle, He will preserve. He came to fulfill it all. Okay, so you know, go through Psalm 119. There's a lot going on there, and I just want to give one more quick example, and then I'll wrap it up. You know, it's so hard, easy to get deep into these things, but. First of all, God says that he magnifies his word above his very name, so he takes it very, very serious. We have to understand that every single word, every single jot, every single tittle is there for a reason. And one real quick example. When Jesus went into the synagogue, he read from the scroll of Isaiah. And when he did, he was quoting Isaiah 61, verse 1. But he stops and he closes the scroll. So in Luke four, uh, verse eighteen and nineteen, he records this for us. It says that he, what he read was the spirit from Isaiah. He's quoting the Old Testament. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and re- recovering of sight to the blind, to set liberty to them that have been bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he stops and he closes it. Well, now every I would recommend to all of our listeners to go back every time you hear the Old Testament quoted in the New Testament and read the verses. Okay, when he does quote that, there's more to the verse that he did not read. In Isaiah 61, verse 2, he read the first, but he he stops right in, in Isaiah 61, two, and he stops right at a comma, and he closes it. Mm-hmm. And the, what follows that is that, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. The reason is because he fulfilled the first part of those verses, right. and he stops at a comma because that day of vengeance of our God, we talked about the theme of the Bible, the day of the Lord, he has not yet fulfilled. It's not done yet. So being mindful of every single solitary punctuation even, every comma, we're living in what Pastor said earlier, a parenthetical or a comma period of time called the church age. Knowing every jot, every tittle, every single solitary word of God there is, is for a purpose is going to help us rightly divide it.
1: Yeah. Robert, you got anything you want to say here?
0: Uh, no, I think Chris did a great job summing that up. And it just, it just it, even if you are familiar with some of these Um, keys in some of these uh, things we're talking about, man, it's always good just to be reminded of these things and and make sure that we are staying true to them because they are how God has defined how we are to um, interact with his word. Yeah.
1: You know, I think, uh, Chris, I think you said it very well when you said, uh, you know, the Bible does not simply claim to communicate God's thoughts, ideas, concepts, uh, or principles or precepts, uh, but rather they are the very words of God. Um, And if they are not, then what happens is we can now interject what we think God is trying to say, opposed to what God is actually
2: saying. Wait a minute. Isn't that what Satan did in the garden? Uh, Hath God really said? said. Yes. And you know,
0: the danger there is getting more uh, thought-for-thought translations of the Bible these days. Sure, sure. And, well, what are... how do we communicate thoughts and and precepts by our words, mm-hmm. and and so God is no different. And so, if the the way for us to know His thoughts and His mind are His words. And when we start losing those words and changing those words, uh, we lose His thoughts. We lose the ability to ability to do what we're saying and do what we're doing today and compare scripture with scripture. We can no longer do that.
1: Right. And and to kind of wrap it up here, uh, just going back to what we said in our last episode, right? Why, why, why is understanding these 10 keys of Bible study so very important? Uh, Because in the day of judgment, we're going to be judged by these words. So we better make sure that we're not uh, uh, messing it up because if we mess it up then we don't even really know what, what, what we're going to be judged by. Um, I would say it like this, right? Um, You know, uh god loved us so much that he gave us his word and 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 he gave us the the answers to the test already we we have the answers um you know it, but the problem that we do is that we go in there and we mess up the answers and and now the what we thought was the right answer is really the wrong answer and that's a very very dangerous place to be because these words are going to be the very words that judge us mm-hmm. and we better make sure we have God's words. Yeah. Luke okay.
2: For man. He says that man shall not buy, live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So there's, there's, there's no way we can get out of it. Uh, thinking that, um, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 I certainly don't want to make this a King James position, uh, and, and why we, we're King James believers, but let me just say this and and we will, uh, we'll wrap up for today. Um, Whatever it is you believe on translations, here's one thing you have to address if you're going to let God's Word be the authority. He certainly says, don't add to my Word, and he certainly says, don't take from my Word. Well, if you take a King James Bible that comes from the Texas Receptus, and if you were to take uh, another translation of the Bible in English that comes from the Vaticanus or the Sinaiticus, uh, those are facts. Facts are a stubborn thing. Uh, Can't argue those facts. Facts. Uh, the reality is, is the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus uh, is missing up to 64,000 words that is found in the, the, the Texas Receptus. So either, <laughs> either the, 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 the Texas Receptus is messed up or the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus is messed up. One of them is messed up because either one of them added or one of them took away from. And so right there tells you... Uh, This is a serious issue, it does need to be addressed, and we do need to make sure we understand the differences uh, between those different uh, 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 manuscripts and what, what you know what ties into all that, but that'll be that'll be for a future stu- uh, study. We'll look at that later. Um, for right now, let's just kind of fi- finish that up. So we looked at the the fourth uh, uh, principle, utilizing God's principle of comparing scripture with scripture. Uh, we looked at the fifth one, recognizing the three layers of application, and we looked at the sixth one, realizing that the key to the Word of God is the words of God. We'll pick up next time. Hope you all have a blessed day.
0: Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Revealing, a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world, or email us info at onebaptistjacks.world.